All right, welcome back to From A to Arbitration. And today we're going to be dealing with Article 1610. Not a very big article, but one of the most important as far as killing discipline. Very few things will kill discipline more than an Article 1610 violation. Wine garden rights comes to mind. That will always kill discipline if we have a good wine garden rights violation. But Article 1610 is a devastator to management's disciplinary action if we can find a good 1610 argument. And it's not hard. Management violates 1610 a lot. Unfortunately, for some reason, it slips by us at the informal formal level a lot. I know as an advocate, I'll get a case file and I'll find a 1610 argument in there. And so I'll start looking through our contentions informal formal. It's never been addressed. 1610 arguments are very easy to find if we pay attention to them. You know, when you get that request for appropriate action and it has prior discipline on there, Always ask for that prior discipline if it's not in the file. And let's see when that discipline is initiated. Let's see the date of that discipline. And if it matches up with 1610, let's make that contention. Uh, 1610 is kind of twofold. One talks about if I'm squeaky clean for two years, you can't use anything prior to that two years against me. And then another section is if I've had discipline within two years, but it's been rescinded and removed, you can't use that against me. So we'll discuss that as I get into 1610. But always look at whatever discipline we receive. If they're citing prior discipline, let's look at that prior discipline and see if it's still active or if it's not. That, that's the first thing I would do if management starts citing prior discipline. Because management has a difficult time being honest. I've always said that management would rather climb a tree to tell a lie than stand on the ground to tell the truth. They're just dishonest by nature. And they will put into the case file discipline that maybe a carrier never received, has never seen. Uh, they will put into the case file Discipline that has been rescinded and removed. They'll put into the case file discipline that was older than two years. We have got to catch those things. If you have discipline and you know for a fact that the carrier never received it, if you go to the carrier and say, hey, they're citing a seven-day on you, do you remember getting that? I've never seen that before. Contend that, all right? If you know that it's been expunged or rescinded, contend that. If you know that it's Older than two years, contend that. Very easy. But, we, you know, it takes a little bit of work, not much. But it's an argument that we miss a lot, and we shouldn't, because it's an easy argument. It's easy to find those things. Let's just do our due diligence at the informal level and address those things as early as possible. Another problem we have is at Formal A. And my Formal A management here in, in my installation is a straight idiot. And he will put in uh, disciplinary files and discipline that's been rescinded. And he'll say, hey, I wasn't considering it. You know, we, we didn't consider that. Uh, we didn't cite that. I was just putting it in there. Well, that's not what Article 1610 says. And you're putting it in there to try to be a persuasive value to the arbitrator. So we're going to address all of those things in this episode, things that will help us out. I'm going to start out with El Cori and El Cori, how arbitration works, and I cite from this a lot. It's on page 640, and it talks about basically what Article 1610 talks about. And this is what it says. Collective agreements sometimes limit consideration of an employee's record to a specific period, 
and here ours is two years. The need for a time limit in the consideration of past offenses may also be recognized even where the agreement does not expressly impose one, which ours does. Thus, arbitrator John Larkin, while emphasizing the need to consider agreements past record, observed, In general, we should say that in discharge cases, the past conduct of an employee in question is of concern to the arbitrator called upon to review management's disciplinary action. If the employee has an excellent record in the company's service, the union is sure to emphasize this. No arbitrator can fail to take note of a good record, the absence of prior warning notice, and other factors which may pertain to the employee's fitness to be continued on his job. By the same token, if an employee's past performance has been one of increasing disregard of his responsibilities to his job and to the employer who is paying him, no arbitrator can rightly sweep this sort of evidence under the rug and confine himself to technical evidence pertaining to a particular incident on a particular day. To do so would not add to the cause of good industrial relations. It might do irreparable harm to the arbitration process. However, this does not mean that we are to consider everything that is introduced as having equal weight and significance. We sympathize with the position often taken by unions that there should be some limitation on how far back in the record one should be permitted to go in the matter of digging up old scores. Such historic incidents should be close enough in their relation to the problem involved in the immediate case to warrant consideration. So here in our case, in Article 1610, we've agreed that two years is the time limit. You can go back two years, but not further. And so after reading that, let's get into 1610 and start breaking down this article, okay? Article 1610, Section 10, Employee Discipline Records. The records of a disciplinary action against an employee shall not be considered in any subsequent disciplinary action if there has been no disciplinary action initiated against the employee for a period of two years. That's exactly what we were just talking about with El Cori and El Cori. If you get a request for appropriate action, and it, they've requested a 14-day suspension, and you look on there and you say, well, they're citing a letter of warning in a seven-day, let's, let's just see if these se- letter of warning in seven-day is in the file. They're in the file, and you notice that the letter of warning is older than two years, then management has now violated Article 1610. You cannot cite that letter of warning against him, regardless of if the seven-day is legitimate. The seven-day may be legitimate, but you cited a letter of warning that has been rescinded and removed or has expired. And in doing so, you have violated Article 1610 and violated the grievance due process rights. If the notice of charges has a letter of warning, a seven-day, and then we're dealing with this 14-day. Same thing. If the letter of warning that they cite is older than two years, they have violated Article 1610. It doesn't matter if the seven-day is still live. If they say, hey, it's still progressive because he's got this, the seven-day is live. The, the letter of warning may be older than two years. We'll give you that. But the seven-day is still live, so we're still progressive. That doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You cited discipline that's outside the two years. So you have violated the grievance due process rights. You cannot cite it, period. And so if management makes that argument, hey, look, the seven day is still live on this. If it's a removal and the 14 day is live, but the letter warning of seven day is older than two years, make that argument. Look, 1610 
it states clearly you cannot use this disciplinary action against the carrier that now has fatally flawed management's disciplinary action. But we've got to pay attention to those things. We've got to look up those things. Don't be lazy as far as that's concerned. It happens more than you know. Always challenge everything that management does because they're dishonest by nature and they're going to try to put in these things. Another thing, another thing that we need to look at, if you get discipline and it cites a letter of warning in a seven day that we know for a fact that carrier never received, we know that for a fact management is lying. They have falsified this discipline to support whatever action they're taking here in this case. If we know that for a fact, and you see a certified tracking number where they tried to put a certified tracking, making it look legitimate, look up that certified tracking number. I promise you it was never sent out, never mailed. If they have a signature confirmation or a delivery confirmation number on that discipline, the prior discipline that we know is falsified, look those up online. I promise you it has never been sent, never been mailed. And make that contention. Get a carrier to write a statement. I never received this discipline that they're citing against me. And put the copy that, get that off of the, the web, copy that, put it in the file. Management never sent this out. They falsified discipline to support the discipline that they've issued here. And that discipline's going to be killed. I don't care what they say. All right, so, so do that. That's free right there. Challenge everything that management does in the disciplinary process, especially prior discipline especially prior discipline, okay? Then it goes on to state, under 1610, Upon the employee's written request, any disciplinary notice or decision letter will be removed from the employee's official personnel folder after two years if there has been no disciplinary action initiated against the employee in that two-year period. That's self-explanatory. If I know that I had a letter warning that was three years old and I say, hey, look, I'm going to write, I want this taken out of my file. That's all that's talking about. They'll remove that out of the file. Okay. Then it goes on to state, the purpose of Article 1610 is to protect employees from having their past records considered when they have shown over a two-year period that they perform their job without incurring any further disciplinary action. Now, let me talk about this. A lot of people think that it has to be cited discipline and removal is, is what they're talking about. That's not the case. When it talks about past records, that means you cannot bring it up at any point, at any time, during the informal, the formal, or beating. You cannot bring up anything that's happened to me in any way, shape, or form. So if they say in the formal A contentions, Corey Walton's had a seven-day suspension in 2015, and they put any part of that into their contention, saying he's well aware of what he's, what's happening. He's well aware of the rule here because he's been disciplined for that back in 2015 or 2018. He's well aware of what he's supposed to do. Uh, here's the proof of it. Here's the discipline. Here's the record. Well, <laughs> that's, that's citing it. And, and that's a violation of Article 1610. Believe it or not, it happens all the time. And rarely do we catch that. Management will always try to put something in there on us that they're not supposed to. So let's do a better job of catching those things. If they have anything older than two years in there at any time for any reason, say that's a violation of Article 1610. 
It goes on to state, additional information on the retention and disposal of discipline records may be found in Handbook AS-353, and it has a, 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 a National Pre-Arbitration Settlement. Then it states this, and this is the most important part of Article 1610 to me. A notice of discipline, which is subsequently fully rescinded, whether by settlement, arbitration award, or independent management action, shall be deemed not to have been initiated for purposes of Article 16, Section 10, and may not be cited or considered in any subsequent disciplinary action. Here's the one that we always miss. If I had a letter of warning that's been rescinded and expunged from three months ago, and management cites that in a seven-day suspension, and we look that letter of warning up, and it's, it's been settled to formal A, uh, this letter of warning will be reduced to an official discussion or it will be fully rescinded and removed. Management has violated Article 1610. I know that sounds self-explanatory, but we miss that all the time. We simply miss it. When it says initiated, an independent management action shall be deemed not to have been initiated, that means it had never been written up. It's as if it was never issued, never been written up. That's what that means. So you cannot cite that against me. I should never see any reference to that in the case file. When it talks about may not be cited. Well, when you talk about cited, that means quote as evidence for or justification of. So again, if the formal A is using that letter of warning, even though it's been rescinded and he's trying to say, you know, look, it shows that the carrier was aware of the rule because he just got a letter of warning not too long ago. Even though it was rescinded, I'm just putting it in here to show that he was aware of the rule. No, sir. No. That's a violation of 1610 because you're using it as evidence for, justification for. That's what cited means. It says cited or considered. And considered simply means having been thought about carefully. That's what that means. So if it's in any contentions... They've cited it and considered it. It don't necessarily mean it has to be in that notice of charges. If I see it anywhere in anybody's contentions, it's a violation of 1610. I have a great site I'm going to read to you. It's not very long. It was a good one for my accident thing, too. This is a good one if you're dealing with accidents, too. And it kind of talks about what we talked about in the episodes I had about accidents. But it's from Arbitrator Talmadge. She's very good. And it's C number 32824, 32824. And this is what she states, starting on page 9. It goes a little bit into the accident history, which is done pertain to 1610, but I want to read that anyway because it's pretty good if you have to deal with this. The service has a history of emphasizing that accidents themselves are not the appropriate basis for discipline without establishing an employee's action violated a postal service safety rule or regulation. As noted in the April 7, 1980 memo by the Senior Assistant Postmaster General Carl Olsacker, who wrote in pertinent part, accidents or compensation claims, even when in a manager's view excessive, are not in themselves an appropriate basis for discipline. What must be cited in any such disciplinary action are the actions of an employee in a specific situation, which are violations of a Postal Service safety rule or regulation. Y'all need to put that in every one of your safety violations or safety or accidents or anything like that. Put that memo in there. Uh, we do that in this installation. We put it in every one. She goes on to state, The service discharged the grievant for an incident on March 12, 2016, when the grievant, after locking her vehicle, 
stepped out of the car, twisted her ankle, and fell to the ground, skinning her knee and elbow. The removal notice states in part, However, on March 12, 2016, you failed to properly perform your duties in a safe manner when you failed to pay attention to your surroundings at 2201 Hill Street. After parking close to the handicap ramp, you dismounted from your LLV. You stepped out on the curb portion of the handicap ramp, twisting your left ankle and causing you to fall to the ground. Management will not tolerate your failure to perform your duties in a safe manner. We work for some assholes, don't we? She goes on to state, Management has not pointed to a specific safety rule or regulation that the grievant violated by stepping out of her vehicle and twisting her ankle. Management stated the grievant should have been, made, been more aware of her surroundings. They seem to be saying that if an accident occurred, this is proof that the employee was careless and should be subject to discipline. Management failed to prove that the grievance fall was caused by or related to any unsafe act on her part, which either violated a safety rule or regulation or even an instruction. There was no assertion that the grievance accident was intentional or willful. Y'all remember back when I was talking about accidents? Uh, examples of behavior has to be intentional. There's a good proof of that, a good case where she's citing that where she says there was no assertion that the grievance accident was intentional or willful. Falls right in line with examples of behavior. The grievance was not listening to music, fingering mail, or otherwise found to be distracted. The grievance regular parking spot had been occupied by another vehicle, and although she parked close to the handicap ramp, these were approved parking points. Immediately after falling, the grievance called and informed her supervisor. The grievance did have her ankle checked at the emergency room the same day. However, she did not miss any work as a result of her accident. This was a minor industrial accident and not an egregious accident as management has portrayed it. Although the management witness mentioned that the grievant had left the scene of the accident to continue delivering mail while the supervisor was driving to meet her with a declination letter, and there was contested testimony about whether the supervisor had directed the grievant to wait, management did not charge the grievant with leaving the scene of an accident. So that's great stuff for the accident portion that I did several episodes back. And here she goes about 1610. I also find that the case was flawed by its reliance upon expired disciplinary action in support of the removal. Management testified that the grievance accidental twisting of her ankle, although an unsafe act, would not have been sufficient to warrant a removal but that this incident was considered with her prior disciplinary record as part of progressive discipline. The employer argued, although the settled seven-day suspension was mistakenly cited in the removal, there was still progressive discipline applied because the grievance record included both a live seven-day and 14-day suspension. Nonetheless, it is difficult to distinguish whether management relied upon the discipline that should not have been considered in deciding to issue the removal. As noted by Arbitrator Braverman uh, in USPS and NALC C11N4CD 1309200009 2013, such reliance is a violation of the Step 4 Settlement 889, quoted in JCAM at 1612, which provide that such disciplinary actions shall be deemed not to have been initiated for purposes of Article 1610 and might, may not be cited or considered in any subsequent disciplinary action. Whether there was other discipline which showed a progression is not relevant. What is critical is that the employer inappropriately relied upon discipline 
which had been reduced or removed. The reliance was in violation of the National Agreement and rendered the removal improper. As a result of the aforementioned finding, I do not need to address the union's additional arguments. I find that the service did not have just cause to issue the grievance and notice of removal. So again, they touch on, even if the grievance has three or four, 14 days, seven day, five letter warnings, if they cite in there, in any of those disciplines, discipline that has been rescinded and removed, expunged and removed, older than two years, it will kill the entire disciplinary matter. We've got to search those disciplines. If they've got 20 disciplines, look at each one. I had an arbitration case. I cited it in, in one of my earlier episodes. It's from Arbitrator Wolitz, where she talks about the charge must be perfect. Well, that case also dealt with a gentleman who had Three live 14 days, some seven days, and letter warning. Terrible record. But management included a 14-day that had been rescinded. And due to that, the arbitrator brought him back saying that management violated Article 1610. That's how powerful 1610 is. Again, make sure that any time management cites discipline, either through the request for appropriate action and the actual notice itself, if they refer to it in the informal A contentions, if they refer to it in the formal A contentions, make sure that we say that they have violated Article 1610 and show how. Okay? One more thing, and then we'll be done. I talked about in my 16.2 discussion uh, episode about 16.2 being cited in discipline, how it will kill discipline. In the Defenses to Discipline book, I've, I've referenced it several times. It talks about improper citation of past elements. It's on page 26. This is what it states. It is improper for management to cite discussions as past elements in support of another disciplinary charge. It is also improper to cite discipline which has been grieved but not finally settled or adjudicated as a past element. When these are cited, arbitrators sometimes order the present discipline or send it or modified. And here's a case, case number 01944. 01944, it states this, The employer's case is further followed by the fact that it is violative of that portion of Article 16 of the National Agreement which provides, Such discussions may not be cited as an element of a prior adverse record in any subsequent disciplinary action against an employee. Their modus of removal cites two such discussions as elements of the grievance past record. These procedural defects cannot be overlooked as being insignificant. They are of serious concern because they are in violation of both the letter and spirit of the National Agreement. And importantly, they deprive the grievance of his right to due process. In the absence of due process, the grievance must be sustained without any consideration as to its sustaining merits. That's how powerful citing things in the notice of charges is when they're untrue or improper. Uh, if you cite an Article 16.2 discussion against me in the letter of charges, it will kill that discipline. Use that cite. No different than 1610 as far as citing expunged, expired, or old discipline against me. It will kill that discipline. They want to get into the merits. That's what we have to do a better job of. Lastly, on 1610, it says, Last chance agreements are not records of disciplinary action. LCEs are not covered by the provisions of Article 1610. If an LCA contains a reference to a disciplinary record that exceeds the limitation in Article 1610, 
the following instructions from arbitrator Briggs in case it's the case number there and it's C22941 is to be followed. And he says LCAs can logically be divided into disciplinary and administrative categories and only those elements falling into the former category are subject to the Article 1610 time restriction. And if you read that decision, all he talks about is that a last chance agreement is not discipline. It's basically an agreement to bring a carrier back. So it does not fall under discipline in accordance with Article 16. What does fall under Article 1610 is if in that last chance agreement they reference or cite discipline, that falls under 1610. If that last chance agreement cites or refers to discipline that that has since been expunged or expired when we bring that last chance agreement back up, then that portion of that last chance agreement falls under 1610 and it must be omitted. It can't be considered. That's all he's talking about there. So hopefully that makes sense. But Article 1610 is a massive article for us, and we've got to do a much better job of exploiting management's actions when they violate Article 1610. So again, when you get that request for appropriate action, if it has prior discipline on there, request it and research that. If they have certified tracking, if they have any kind of confirmation, research that. Ask the carrier if he's ever seen this discipline. A lot of times he'll say no because management falsifies discipline all the time. If it's older than two years, contend that. 1610. If you know that that discipline has been rescinded and expunged, Find the settlement and put that in the file. Violation of Article 1610. Okay? Well, it still ended up being about 30 minutes, but it's an important argument. It's a fantastic argument, and it is a disciplined killer. 1610. Let's do a much better job of raising these contentions at the informal. Let's do our homework at the informal level. Again, we've got 14 days to where we can research this and do a lot of things to help out our formal aid and our advocates. Okay? So, 1610, there it is in a nutshell. Hope it helped y'all. We'll see y'all on the next episode. Not sure what we'll do yet. We're running out of 16. May get into just cause principle. I don't know. We'll see. So y'all have a fantastic rest of the day. Oh, yeah. And, and let me say this before I forget. I always forget this. And I don't know why because I write it down and I still forget it. But subscribe, if you don't mind, to the podcast. Uh, that'd be fantastic. I'd appreciate that. Leave a review. Leave uh, comments if you want, uh, if I'm too long, too short, <laughs> whatever you want. But uh, if you don't mind, just subscribe to the podcast, and, and that would be fantastic. I'd really appreciate it. So anyway, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you on the other side now. Take care. Bye-bye.